Welcome to Over in Smith, an H.P. Lovecraft podcast where we read the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, and usually we make an audiobook, uh, but sometimes stories are too boring or racist, and we don't make an audiobook of those. Uh, today, we're going to be reading the next chapter about the Mountains of Madness. Uh, and with me is somebody who has learned some extensive history about some uh, some wiggly guys from the past art you can't prove that i'm lying <laughs> you can't prove it this this isn't me this isn't like the Icelandic uh translation of uh dracula where it was just a completely different book oh god that's but right I'll- that's so funny oh my gosh i forgot about that oh yeah um, yeah, the last chapter was all about the history of the old ones. <laughs> we were talking about, like, this sounds like he's trying to cover up that he murdered everybody in this camp. <laughs> it still does. It still does. It sounds I mean, like he's he's just covering something up. He's doing a good job, obviously. Yeah. Like, he's okay. doing a good job. I just, I just love in stories when somebody thinks that nobody, like, in, like, how... In some stories, all the characters just assume everybody's telling the truth all the time. Yeah, which, which, which like, I never had that before. <laughs> I never yeah. had that. I just, baseline, people are probably lying in their stories. So, yeah. But yeah, uh, we learned about how the old, supposedly, allegedly, the old ones had a long history on Earth. They came here from space. They lived in the ocean initially. Then moved to the the land. They spread out and then got into a couple wars with uh, Cthulhu spawn and even the the crabby people from um, Whisper in the Darkness were talked about extensively. Um, uh, what else? Oh, they they are the ones who made shogos, uh, mostly for manual labor, but also as weapons against these uh other races of uh elder spawn um but yeah so we learned about that until eventually we're at the point now where they're like well the city's gone i guess (sighs) yeah they also uh they also did a lot of like eugenics and like genetic stuff in general Oh yeah, like they talked about how all life on Earth came from uh, them making Shogos, and unless it was something that was gonna challenge them, they let it go off and do yeah. whatever. Apparently, they had uh, human-like uh, pets at one point. Yep, kind of uh, great ape kind of things. Um, but yeah. So they talked about that. They found all that history on their, um, on all the carved murals all around. Uh, and yeah. So okay. we got. I'm going to be. Oh, real, they talked about relay sinking as well. I'm going to be real honest. Like, the, the, the idea of them getting this all from the hieroglyphics and carvings or the, it's a bad reliefs. Um, but the idea of that makes it, uh, 
makes me think of that one area in Borderlands 2 where you go through, where you have to go through Handsome Jack's uh, own history. Like that's that's all I'm imagining right now. Oh, you're right. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so, you're so right. That's so you know. funny. So yeah. So you oh know. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they also talked about relay at some point sinking all sorts of stuff. Um. The uh the continents breaking apart, resulting in all this stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, also talked about an outdated way that the moon was formed. Yeah, yeah, which which was interesting at least. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Um, I don't think there's too much more, honestly. So too many more fun fun facts that I want to read out loud anyway. We still haven't heard what what drove Danforth crazy. Well, I mean, maybe we won't know until the last page because that's kind of a thing that he does a lot. Maybe, maybe he just, you know, maybe it had nothing to do with this. <laughs> maybe he's just like, yeah, I saw that. It was actually my fault. My mom and dad got were uh, divorced. They were oh, lying to me, <laughs> like mid plane flight. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> He he saw the letter. He saw the letter uh, that was supposed to go to his father, who was Dan Forth the fur. I mean, senior, but it went to junior on accident. And uh, and it's, it's like his mom his was pocket. saying like we 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 are going to be we are going we are getting divorced specifically because of our son. Oh no! And nothing, no other reason. <laughs> we actually love each other, but if we stay together. It's going to make our son too happy, and we hate him. And that's what he saw. <laughs> <laughs> that's why Danforth won't tell Dreyer what's happening. <laughs> like, what What did it? He's, he's too embarrassed. Be like, yeah, my mom and, my mom and dad are getting divorced. Be like, oh, man, that, that sucks. It's because of me. No, it isn't. You can't tell yourself. I have proof. I. They said specifically <laughs> getting the voice because of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that'd be quite the plot twist. I'm not going to lie. They signed an affidavit. It said, <laughs> uh, there's a notary <laughs> present <laughs> who affirmed this with them. <laughs> Oh my god. A witness signature is here. <laughs> <laughs> There's a ten page essay. <laughs> oh my gosh. That'd be quite the plot twist. <laughs> I would not see that coming if <laughs> Lovecraft did that. <laughs> be like, fuck Lovecraft. Damn. Like some of your stories are depressing, but jeez. <laughs> okay, let's get started. At the Mountains of Madness. By H.P. Lovecraft. Chapter 8. Naturally, Danforth and I studied with a special interest and a peculiarly personal sense of awe everything pertaining to the immediate district in which we were. Of this local material, there was naturally a vast abundance, and on the tangled ground level of the city, we were lucky enough to find a house of very late date whose walls, though somewhat damaged by neighboring rift, contain sculptures of decadent workmanship carrying the story of the region much beyond the period of the Pliocene map, 
Once we derived our last general glimpse of the pre-human world, this was the last place we examined in detail, since what we found there gave us fresh, immediate objective. Oh yeah, we forgot to mention, we also learned that the the Wiggly Boys, the, the old ones, really liked art, and they liked hanging out together. Yeah. They they were just they're just guys, you know, hanging out with their bros. Which I kind of love. So yeah, they they reproduced asexually, but they just like to hang out with each other. <laughs> and they really liked art. It turns out it was always Saturday there. So it was always for the boys. <laughs> <laughs> always. It's never not Saturday. Certainly, we were in one of the strangest, weirdest, and most terrible of all the corners of Earth's globe. Of all existing lands, it was infinitely the most ancient, and the conviction grew upon us that this hideous upland must indeed be the fabled nightmare plateau of Lang, which even the mad author of the Necronomicon was reluctant to discuss. The great mountain chain was tremendously long, starting a low range at Lutopold Land, on the coast of Weddell Sea, and virtually crossing the entire continent. The real high part stretched in a mighty arc from the latitude 82 degrees east, longitude 60 degrees, to latitude 70 degrees east, longitude 150 degrees. With this concave side towards our camp, and its seaward end in the region, that long ice-locked coast, whose hills were glimpsed by Wilkes and Mawson at the Antarctic Circle. Yet even more monstrous exaggerations of nature seemed disturbingly close at hand. Now, I've said that these peaks are higher than the Himalayas, but the sculpture forbid me to say that they are Earth's highest. That grim honor is beyond doubt reserved for something which half the sculptures hesitated to record at all, whilst others approached it with obvious repugnance and trepidation. It seems that there was a part of the ancient land, the first part that ever rose from the waters, after the earth had flung off the moon, and the old ones have seeped down from the stars, which had come to be shunned as vaguely namelessly evil. Cities built there had crumbled long before their time, and had been found suddenly deserted. Then, when the first great earth-buckling had convulsed the region in the Comanchean Age, a frightful line of peaks had shot up suddenly, amidst the most appalling din and chaos, and Earth had received their loftiest and most terrible mountains. I like how even the old ones are like, this, these mountains are too fucked up for us to live in. <laughs> yeah, I don't like these mountains. Have you looked at them? They're real weird. They're real fucked up. We can't live there. There's something wrong. Listen, we're just some guys who like to have a good time, and we can't have a good time in these mountains for some reason. <laughs> the vibes are just off. The vibes are wrong. We gotta find better vibes. <laughs> These aboard things must have been over 40,000 feet high, radically vaster than even the shocking mountains of madness we had crossed. They extended, it appeared, from about latitude 77 degrees east, longitude 7 degrees, to latitude 70 degrees east, to longitude 100 degrees less than 300 miles away from the dead city, so that we would have spied their dreaded summits in the dim western distance, had it not been for the vague opalescent haze. Their northern end must likewise be visible from the long Antarctic Circle coastline at Queen Mary Land. I'm gonna, I, I want to just say real quick, I feel like obs uh, 
obsolescence, like you opalescence. know, opalescence is a word he uses a lot. He he has a lot to describe the general. What's the word? Well, haze is what he says um, around this place. Opalescent haze, though I don't think snow really reflects light in that way. Uh, uh maybe. No, it doesn't. Does it? It'd be it'd be cool if it did. No, because snow mostly just blinds you. It doesn't really crack <laughs> that much. <laughs> Who knows? I haven't been to the Antarctic. Maybe it is opalescent down there. Maybe I don't know. I just, I just don't. You just don't see a lot of blues and purples and turquoise and stuff in snow. Maybe it's mostly sunlight, just white. Maybe sunlight just hits different down there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Some of the old ones in the decadent days had made strange prayers to those mountains, but none ever went near them or dared to guess what lay beyond. No human eye had ever seen them, and as I studied the emotions conveyed in the carvings, I prayed that none ever might. There were protecting hills along the coast beyond them, Queen Mary and Kaiser Wilhelm lands, and I thank heaven no one has been able to land and climb those hills. I'm not as skeptical about old tales and fears as I used to be, and I do not laugh now at the pre-human sculpture's notions that lightning paws meaningfully now, and then at each of the brooding crusts that an unexplained glow shone from one of the terrible pinnacles all through the long polar night. There may be a real and very monstrous meaning in the old narcotic whispers about Kadath in the cold waste. Oh, it's where Kadath is. Neat. But wait, but that's okay. Maybe. No, I feel like Kadoth isn't there though. No, because uh, Kadoth simultaneously exists and doesn't exist. Yeah, is is it a Boston? It it's Car- <laughs> Carter's there. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's where uh, that's where all the gods went from Kadoth because they were like, this uh, place is okay. pretty cool. Okay. Um, they wanted to go, you know, try lobster rolls and. Go see the Museum of Fine Arts. Yeah, they also wanted to be racist. It's- <laughs> <laughs> Have some clam chowder, be racist. <laughs> you know, all things that you do in Boston. Yeah, you know, flip over a cop car after your local sports team wins. Or loses. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I, you're gonna flip a cop car. <laughs> At one point, a cop car is going to be flipped over, and it's going to either be in happiness or anger. Yeah, I really just really shitty for whoever's car that is. I just uh, I have been to Boston. The only thing I really remember is that the clam chowder was really good, and I really love they their Museum of Fine Arts. And the person that let us into the Museum of Fine Arts thought I was a high schooler. And therefore, I got in for free. <laughs> See, that's how you use uh, your uh, like like privilege, you know, to go to heart to go to art. What am I trying to say? Art museums. That's what I'm trying to say. Art museums, uh, hotels we've used it at. Where we said I was 14, I was actually 21 at the time. Uh- <laughs> Uh, let's see, restaurants for a long time I got a discount at, because everybody thought I was 13. It's a good time. It's a good time. Hold on to that kid discount for just a little bit longer. I don't think it'd work anymore, but we could try. Maybe. Maybe. 
use the kid discount to get into Kadath. <laughs> Do you think Nyarlath Hotep will take it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are you in high school? Yes. He's like, congrats. You get into Kadath for free. <laughs> Here's your wristband. But the terrain close at hand was hardly less strange, even if less namelessly accursed. Soon after the founding of the city, the great mountain range became the seat of the principal temples, and many carvings shewed what grotesque and fantastic towers had pierced the skies, where now we saw only the curiously clinging cubes and ramparts. In the course of ages, the caves had appeared, and had been shaped into adjuncts of the temples. With the advance of still later epochs, all the limestone veins of the region were hollowed out by groundwaters so that the mountains and the foothills and the plains below them were a veritable network of connected caves and galleries. Many graphic sculptures told of explorations deep underground and of the final discovery of the Stygian sunless sea that lurked at Earth's bowels. See, this... Oh my god, is this a hollow Earth thing? It might be, but also this never would have happened if the sky water was there instead. Damn it! If only. But it might be a hollow earth thing. It's probably as soon as you start talking thing. about lizard people, we know what I know what uh, novel he read. It was this. It's this. You know what? It is around this time that it that theory started gaining prominence. So it would not surprise me. They let one Jewish person into Parliament, and everybody lost their minds. This vast nighted gulf had undoubtedly been worn by the great river, which flowed down from the nameless and horrible westward mountains, and which had formerly turned at the base of the Old One's range and flowed beside the chain to the Indian Ocean, between Bud and Tottenlands, on Wilkes' coastline. Little by little it had eaten away at the limestone hill base, and its turning till at last its sapping currents reached the caverns of the groundwaters, and joined them in digging a deeper abyss, Finally, its whole bulk emptied into the hollow hills and left the old bed toward the ocean dry. Much of the later city, as we now found it, had been built over that former bed. The old ones, understanding what it had happened and exercising their always keen artistic sense, had carved into ornate pylons those headland of the foothills where the great stream began its descent into eternal darkness. This river, once crossed by scores of noble stone bridges, was plainly the one whose extinct course we had seen in our aeroplane survey. Its position in different carvings of the city helped us to orient ourselves to the scene, as it had been at various stages of the region's age-long aeon-dead history, so that we were able to sketch a hasty but careful map of the salient features. Squares, important buildings, and the like for guidance and further explorations. We could soon reconstruct and fancy the whole stupendous thing as it was a million or ten million or fifty million years ago. For the sculptures told us exactly what the buildings and mountains and squares and suburbs and landscape setting and luxuriant tertiary vegetation had looked like. It must have had a marvelous and mystic beauty. As I thought of it, I almost forgot the clammy sense of sinister oppression which which the city's inhuman age and massiveness and deadness and remoteness and glacial twilight had choked and weighed on my spirit. 
Yet, according to certain carvings, the denizens of the city had themselves known the clutch of oppressive terror. For there was a somber and recurrent type of scene in which old ones were shewn in the act of recoiling affrightedly from some object, never allowed to appear in the design, found in the great river and indicated as having been washed down through waving, vine-draped, sad forests from whose horrible westward mountains. It was only in one late-built house that the decadent carvings that we obtained any foreshadowing of the final calamity leading to the city's destruction. Undoubtedly, there must have been many sculptures of the same age elsewhere, even allowing for the slackened energies and aspirations of a stressful and uncertain period. Indeed, very certain evidence of the existence of others came to us shortly afterwards. But this was the first and only set we directly encountered. We meant to look farther on, but, as I have said, immediate conditions dictated another present objective. There would, though, have been limit, for all hope of a long future occupancy of the place had perished among the old ones. There could not but have been a complete cessation of mural decoration. The ultimate blow, of course, was the coming of the great cold which held most of the earth in thrall, and which has never departed from the ill-fated poles. The great cold that, at the world's other extremity, put an end to the fabled lands of Lamar and Hyperborea. Just when this tendency began in the Antarctic, it would be hard to say in terms of exact years. Nowadays, we set the beginning of the general glacial period at a distance of about 500,000 years from the present. But at the poles, the terrible scourge must have commenced much earlier. All quantitative estimates are partially guesswork, but it's quite likely that the decadent sculptures were made considerably less than a million years ago, and that the actual desertion of the city was complete long before the conventional openings of the Pleistocene, 500,000 years ago, as reckoned in terms of the Earth's whole surface. All right. That's kind of what I was feeling is that the coming of the glacial age is what pushed them out. Um, which which is interesting because they can survive the bottom of the ocean, which is pretty cold. Well, you know, maybe they just don't like... They don't like the cold wind. <laughs> the vibe is off. We can't stay here. Yeah, yeah. you, you can tell that they're, they're primarily vibe-based. <laughs> they primarily operate off vibes. And if the vibe is off, they're not staying there. Yeah. Apparently, the bottom of the ocean has great vibes. I mean, maybe it does. Uh, like, what What if it just feels like a weighted blanket? Oh, like, hell yeah. Time? Oh, hell yeah. Not gonna lie, I would absolutely love that. Yeah. And I mean, from the descriptions of the temple, it sounds pretty rad. Yeah? I mean, if you're not locked inside of a completely dark submarine <laughs> with no food or water, yeah. that's their fault. I'm built different. Yeah, I don't have to eat. I'm a fifth level. I, I I'm a I'm a fifth level warlock, and I took that one feat where I don't have to eat or sleep anymore. <laughs> nice. I, I I told I I told my I asked my uh my patron yo what if I just didn't have to eat or sleep and they're like bet and then <laughs> I didn't have to. <laughs> They were like, that sounds rad. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
gosh, that's funny. So. If we're in 3.5, I'm a level 15 elemental savant. <laughs> I have transcended my earthly form to become an elemental. Except, like, really hot. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, you can't be a level 15 elemental if you ain't cute. <laughs> it's just impossible. You gotta be cute. In the decadent sculptures, there were signs of thinner vegetation everywhere and of a decreased country life on the part of the old ones. Heating devices were shewn in the houses, and winter travelers were represented as muffled in protective fabrics. When we saw a series of cartouches, the continuous band arrangement, being frequently interrupted by these late carvings, depicted a constantly growing migration to the nearest refuge of greater warmth. Some fleeing to the cities under the sea, off the faraway coast, and some clambering down through networks of limestone caverns in the hollow hills to the neighboring black abyss of subterranean waters. I like how they have space eaters. Yeah. That's you nice. Gotta be, really- you gotta be careful. Don't want to start a, a house fire with those. It's just, I'm just really cold right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the space it's, eater. It's But chilly. it turns out it's, it's not, it's, it's not enough because of, uh, you know, the Ice Age. It's chilly. I gotta have a space heater and I gotta put on my sweater. In the end, it seems to have been the neighboring abyss which received the greatest colonization. This was partly due, no doubt, to the traditional sacredness of this especial region, but may have been more conclusively determined by the opportunities it gave for continuing the use of the great temples in the Honeycomb Mountains and for retaining the vast land city as a place of summer residence and the base of communication with various mines. The linkage of old and new abodes was made more effective by means of several gratings and improvements along the connecting routes, including the chiseling of numerous direct tunnels from the ancient metropolis to the Black Abyss, sharply down-pointing tunnels whose mouths were carefully drew. According to our most thoughtful estimates, on the guide map we were compiling, it was obvious that at least two of these tunnels lay within a reasonable exploring distance of where we were, both being on the mountainward edge of the city, one less than a quarter mile toward the ancient river course, and the other perhaps twice that distance in the opposite direction. The abyss, it seems, had shelving shores of dry land at certain places, but the old ones built their new city underwater, no doubt because of its greater certainty of uniform warmth. The depth of the hidden sea appears to have been very great, so that the Earth's internal heat could ensure its habitability for an indefinite period. The beings seem to have had no trouble in adapting themselves to part-time and eventually, of course, whole-time residents underwater, since they had never allowed their gill system to atrophy. There were many sculptures which shewed how they had frequently visited their submarine kinsfolk elsewhere, and how they had habitually bathed in the deep bottom of the great river. The darkness of the inner earth could likewise have been no detriment to a race accustomed to long Antarctic nights. Decadent though their style undoubtedly was, these latest carvings had a truly epic quality, where they told of the building of a new city in the cavern sea. The old ones had gone about it scientifically, pouring insoluble rocks from the heart of the Honeycomb Mountains, and employing expert workers from the nearest submarine city to perform the construction accordingly. Yeah. 
and employing expert workers from the nearest submarine city to perform the construction according to the best methods. These workers brought with them all that was necessary to establish the new venture, Shogoth tissue from which to breed stone lifters and subsequent beasts of burden for the cavern city, and other protoplasmic matter to mold into phosphorescent organisms for lighting purposes. Oh yeah, uh, we forgot to mention... Uh, that in the last couple chapters, they also mentioned that the Shogoths got too smart and started to rebel. Um, oh. So that's fun. Yeah. Just a giant amorphous thing that can transform into any shape it wants, being highly it intelligent. It could have like three ears if it wanted to. Oh I'm my scary. God. Three of them? I know. Three? Why not four? I don't know. The four is just like symmetry. Like, they just have an asymmetrical ear somewhere. You don't know where it's at. <laughs> just for fun. Why not? Although, I, I do kind of like the idea of taking this to its logical, logical conclusion. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you would call it like flesh punk or something, but like a future where everything was made out of like, like flesh technology and gene engineering. <gasps> Uh, yeah like, like what if the old ones were just like the current ones you yeah know? <laughs> i like that yeah. the shogoths start their own subculture yeah yeah um at last a mighty metropolis rose on the bottom of that stygian sea its architecture much like that of the city above, and its workmanship displaying relatively little decadence because of the precise mathematical element inherent in building operations. The newly bred Shogoths grew to enormous size and singular intelligence, and they represented as taking and executing orders with marvelous quickness. They seem converse with the old ones by mimicking their voices a sort of musical piping over the wide range. If poor Lake's dissection had indicated a right, and to work more from the spoken commands from the hypnotic suggestions as in earlier times. They were, however, kept in admirable control. The phosphorescent organisms supplied light with vast effectiveness, and doubtless atone for the loss of the familiar polar auroras of the outer world night. Well, that's true. They wouldn't get to see the Aurora Borealis. Hmm. It's kind of sad. I mean, is it? They're, they're eugenicists. I mean... I, uh, you know what, you're right. They don't deserve it. Yeah. Just kidding. They don't deserve it. They don't get the Aurora Borealis. They don't get to have fun. Art and decoration were pursued, though, of course, in a certain decadence. The old ones seemed to realize this falling off themselves, and in many cases anticipated the policy of Constantine the Great by transplanting especially fine blocks of ancient carving from their land city, just as the emperor, in a similar age of decline, stripped Greece and Asia of their finest art to give his new Byzantine capital greater splendors than his own people could create. That the transfer of sculptured blocks had not been more extensive was doubtless owing to the fact that the land city was not at first wholly abandoned. By the time total abandonment did occur, it was surely must have occurred before the polar Pleistocene and was far advanced. The old ones had perhaps become satisfied with their decadent art, or had ceased to recognize the superior merit of the older carvings. 
At any rate, the Aeon silent ruins around us had certainly undergone no wholesale sculptural denution, though all the separate statues, like the removables, had been taken away. Oh yeah, because they said like there's no furniture and stuff in there. Yeah. Oh, uh, so they just took everything that they could move with them. Okay. Okay, that makes more sense. The decadent cartouches and dados telling the story were, as I have said, the latest we could find in our limited search. They left us with a picture of the old ones, shuttling back and forth betwixt the land city in summer and the sea cavern city in the winter, and sometimes trading with the sea-bottom cities off the Antarctic coast. By this time, the ultimate doom of the land city must have been recognized, for the sculpture shewed many signs of the cold's malign encroachments. Vegetation was declining, and the terrible snows of the winter no longer melted, completely even in midsummer. The Saurian livestock were nearly all dead, and the mammals were standing it none too well. To keep on with the work of the upper world, it had begun necessary to adapt some of the amorphous, curiously cold-resistant shogoths to land life, a thing the old ones had formerly been reluctant to do. The great river was now lifeless, and the upper sea had lost most of its denizens, except the seals and whales. All the birds had flown away, save for the great grotesque penguins. What had happened afterwards we could only guess. How long had the new sea cavern city survived? Was it still down there, a stony corpse in eternal blackness? Had the subterranean waters frozen at last? To what fate had the ocean-bottom cities of the outer world been delivered? Had any of the old ones shifted north ahead of the creeping ice cap? Existing geology shews no trace of their presence. Had the frightful Migo been still a menace in the outer land world of the north? Could one be sure of what might or might not linger even to this day in the lightless and unplumbed abysses of Earth's deepest waters. Those things had seemingly been able to withstand any amount of pressure, and men of the sea have fished up curious objects at times. And has the killer whale theory really explained the savage and mysterious scars on Antarctic seals noticed in generations ago by Portugrevic? I mean, it could. It could. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> A fuck. I mean, killer whales are pretty scary. Yeah. And sometimes they do just, like, fuck stuff up and not eat it. They do that to sharks all the time. They'll just find a bunch of sharks, fuck them up, and then leave. The specimens found by Poor Lake did not enter into these guesses, for their geologic setting proved them to have lived at what must have been a very early date in the land city history. There were, according to their location, certainly not less than 30 million years old, and were reflected in their day the sea cavern city, and indeed the cavern itself had no existence. They would have remembered an older scene, with lush tertiary vegetation everywhere, a younger land city of flourishing arts around them, and a great river sweeping northward along the base of the mighty mountains toward a faraway tropic ocean. And yet, we could not help but thinking about these specimens, especially about how the eight perfect ones that were missing from Link's hideously ravaged camp. There was something abnormal about that whole business. The strange things we had tried so hard to lay on somebody's madness. Those frightful graves, the amount and nature of missing material. Gedney, the unearthly toughness of the race to have. Oh, 
the unearthly toughness of those archaic monsters, and the queer, vital freaks the sculptures now shooed the race to have. Danforth and I had seen a good deal in the last few hours, and were prepared to believe and keep silent about many appalling and incredible secrets of primal nature. And that is the end of chapter eight. Okay, I do want to. I do want to say one thing. Uh huh. Anytime someone says, anytime he says like frightful business, all I think is it's like this is a completely legitimate business. We do legitimate business here. It is. We we specialize in frightful business. Which Please is come see our is, prices. We can get you a quote for our frightful business. <laughs> those are the. Uh, that's where you go to get scared at the like corn maze and stuff around yeah. please Halloween. please look through our catalog of frightful business and one of it one of them is just uh, uh one of the pages is just an ipad that as soon as you open it up to it 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 does a ah thing what <laughs> 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 page just says boo <laughs> i mean very scary <laughs> oh it's, it's- uh, absolutely, utterly t- uh, terrorizing. Yeah, that. Uh, but yeah, that one is. Uh, you know, that one's just kind of. I'm still waiting for. A, I'm still waiting for something to drop. Oh yeah, I, don't know, I, like, I mostly at this point, I just kind of feel bad for the uh the 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 elder ones or yeah the old ones that they defrosted that yeah. like are even like had no idea that their city was going to be iced over even like i'm mostly just like i'm waiting for just something else because it's because like well it's very beautiful description and everything mm-hmm. i just i'm waiting for something to drop yeah here. i'm waiting for dan danforth to be terrified to learn that his parents got divorced because of him <laughs> so <laughs> i'm just i'm just waiting I do enjoy the history, but yeah, um, I'm waiting for something else to happen, something spooky, maybe. Just a yeah, because like it's it, it's so far it's not spooky. It's just wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like huh, okay, that's how they operated. Neat. Yeah, I have a feeling that their show goss are gonna go very wrong. Probably the show goss are probably going to be like boo, and they're going to be like, ah, and, it'd be, and then they're going to have like a like two tails, and they'll be like, oh no, that's one too many organs, <laughs> too many organs, less organs, please. Yeah, too many organs means the vibes are off. Yeah, well, no, no, the- show goths weren't vibe based. It was just the elder ones. The oh, yeah, that's what joke- I mean. The the old, the old ones are just like, I can't stand this. The vibes are off. How are we going to live in this city now? Yeah. But I don't know. What? I'm hoping for, I'm just waiting for a shoe to drop right now. I'm waiting for something spooky to happen. Yeah. I guess so, we got four more chapters left for yeah. spookiness. But I want something it to might. happen now. I know. I need. Also, apparently, this uh, chapter was the last chapter in the second installment in Astonishing Tales. Ooh. That's, you know, fun fact on that, I guess. So, so yeah. Gotta leave, well, gotta leave people waiting. Yeah, I guess we'll, uh, I don't know. Let's, let's end this. Okay. So this has been Over and Smith. And remember, 
You are an irreplaceable gash in the fabric of reality. Your keening static howl is like no other. And if it faded from the abyss, the void that would remain would be unfillable. And the mansions of silence would forever fill with our lament. Okay, bye! Bye! At the edge of a universe humming a tune For merely dreaming we were snow A siren sounds like the goddess who promises endless apologies of paradise. And only she can make it right. So things are different tonight. Obelisks as tall as a nun.